listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. Hey everybody, Dr. Ron Eaker here and welcome to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast where we are primarily concerned with promoting good health, but we want to do it one laugh at a time. Uh, as I said, I'm Dr. Ron Eaker. I'm board certified OBGYN with 30 years of clinical experience, so I know what I'm talking about most of the time. My goal is to present health and wellness news for women and cut through the jargon, and and hopefully make you enjoy things a little bit as we go. Today's topic is five healthy habits that you ought to stop right now. Now, I start off by saying, you know, a lot of times uh, doctors think they know a lot more than they do, especially when they get outside their own specialty. I'm a women's healthcare specialist. I'm board certified in obesity medicine. But there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and there's a lot of stuff that I've been mistaught along the way, like many of you may have been. And I'd like to think that I'm not stupid enough that when I find something that is contrary to what I generally had been taught, I investigate it and am not afraid to change my mind if the evidence compels me to. Well, that's kind of the result in what I'm finding on these topics today. These are all things that I grew up in my education, whether it was college or medical school, and kind of believed because it was the routine standard way things were taught. But as I've come to discover through my own reading, through talking with other experts, maybe they're not all that true. And and so I hope today I'm going to enlighten you a little bit, maybe get you to think a little bit more about some of the things that we've almost contributed to being gospel when it comes to our health and well-being. So let's get started. My kids call me the health Nazi, and I, 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 I sometimes don't get real excited about being compared to a World War II war criminal, but I understand where they're coming from because I'm, I'm constantly berating them to do this or not do that. And it's real easy for me to fall into that mantra. Uh, now, I don't do that, do as I say and not as I do. Pretty much, I'm, I'm going to tell them that uh, these are things that I do. I'm not going to tell you to do something I don't already do. But it's sometimes a little difficult to, to really get introspective and really admit that maybe you were wrong in what you previously told people. And so... Take that with a grain of salt for today because what I'm talking about are these things that you can learn from. And hopefully, like me, if it's something you didn't really believe to start with, um, you really don't need to change. But if you had this same belief, you probably ought to reevaluate what you're thinking about. The first is, when it comes to nutrition, eating low fat. Now, that may sound right off the bat heretical. Let me clarify that. Eating the low fat is healthy as long as you're eating the right kind of fats and abstaining from the wrong kind of fats. Nothing's ever as simple as it always seems. 
Fats, carbohydrates, and proteins all can be divided into subcategories. Just as there are some good carbs, there are some bad carbs, there's the same thing with fats. Fats perform a very vital part of most of the stuff that goes on in our bodies. They form, even down to the cell walls, they're dependent on fats. So fats in and of itself are not bad. Now where we get into trouble is the saturated and trans fats. Those are the bad guys. Those are the ones you want to avoid. And those are things that are oftentimes in meat products and very fatty meats. And certainly uh, a lot of the processed foods that have a lot of the trans fats, in particular some of the oils that go into some of these processed foods, those are the bad guys. Those are the ones you want to avoid. Now, a lot of this misperception about fat stems back as far back as the 1950s. There was a researcher, Dr. Ansel Keys. In fact, he was the guy where the K ration in World War II that supplied all our our soldiers comes from. It's named after him because he did a study that he that talked about proper nutrition. Well, that was some of his earliest work. Some of his later work was famously a study known as the Seven Countries Study, in which he basically came to the conclusion that heart disease was directly related to your fat intake in your diet. Well, as it turns out, he was very selective in the countries that he included in this study because he actually looked at many more than seven countries, but he went into this study with some preconceived ideas about fat, and there are many people who have reanalyzed the data today that believe that he included a lot of the data that specifically supported his conclusions to start with. Uh, so that data has been drawn into a, a bit of a veil with regards to its applicability. So the bottom line is this incredible push to make products low fat really has led to some nutritional issues in particular with taking these low-fat products and adding a bunch of sugar to them and has really become much more problematic with regards to things like diabetes and obesity. So eating low-fat is not necessarily healthy like we used to think it was. You have to be very careful about the actual fat content. I can say with confidence that staying away from saturated fat and trans fats, which is getting easier, by the way, because the government, in all its wisdom, has now put those types of things on the product labeling form, which is largely worthless in many, in, in, in many instances because of the massive lobbying effect from big food that prevents the inclusion of truly meaningful data on these labels. However, I got to admit, having things like trans fats and saturated fats is helpful. So just avoid those things. When they show up as a large part of whatever you're eating, put it back on the shelf. Number two, going gluten-free. I mean, let me tell you, the anti-gluten lobby in this country today is fanatical. I mean, I'm probably going to have to get a bodyguard to protect me from these nuts because the gluten-free craze has just really taken over and it's become the new marketing mantra for a lot of these people. You know, it used to be low-fat, it used to be 
fat-free, and now it's gluten-free. I mean, I saw some water the other day. It was labeled gluten-free. Come on! There is less than 1% of the population that is actually sensitive to gluten, which is a compound that's contained in many wheat products. And only those people truly have a negative reaction to gluten. This idea of gluten sensitivity being widespread and, and hugely uh, devastating the population when they eat wheat and wheat-type-based foods is truly a myth, and it's a complete misperception. And those people who truly have celiac sprue, yes, you need to avoid gluten because you have some markedly adverse effects. But for the vast majority, 99% of the population being gluten-free is really not that critical. Uh, these are the same kind of folks who uh, think Tom Cruise is right online with Scientology and feel like vaccines cause autism. Not the case. Number three, juicing. Juicing anything. Juicing is one of those things like certain weight loss approaches that over the years tends to cycle back and forth. You'll go about 10 years and all of a sudden, all these massive infomercials will show up after midnight talking about the beauty of juicing and how healthy juicing is and how wonderful juicing is. And then after they sell a few million units of whatever these juicing machines are, basically blenders, then the public once again looks at the science and realizes that there's nothing magic in that. In fact, there's some evidence that juicing removes some of the beneficial contents of some of the fruits and vegetables, like some of the fiber content. I mean, you think about the beauty of eating whole foods. The components of the nutrition that make up the whole foods are critical that they be expressed as a part of the whole food. These things work like, like clocks. They have multiple parts that are very intricate. If you just took a, a simple apple or an orange, just trying to be reductionistic and take everything down to just the vitamin content, like the vitamin C in the orange, well, just looking at the effects of the vitamin C in, the, in, in isolation from the whole food really doesn't tell you much of anything. In fact, it could be incredibly misleading. Truly, the benefits of the vitamins, the nutrients, the fibers, really come into the whole food. And sometimes with juicing, you lose some of that. In fact, a lot of times what will happen is you'll concentrate the sugars and some of the bad stuff in some of the fruits and vegetables and lose the fiber, which helps prevent some of the rapid absorption of the sugars. So you, you actually lose some of the benefit by juicing. But it's certainly not a panacea. Now, the only time juicing can be really beneficial is if you don't eat much in the way of fruits and vegetables anyway, and this is a tool for maybe increasing your fruit and vegetable intake to start with. Now, if that's the case, if you're someone who normally would shun fruit and vegetables, but if you'll juice them, all of a sudden, I'm going to eat some. Well, there you might gain some benefit, but that's about the only place. Number four, and this might surprise you a little bit, using hand sanitizer. You know, we all have those gels that... Those little bottles that are on our uh, by our desk in our office, or even by the in the bathroom, or we hang it on our our suitcase and carry it in our backpacks. 
uh, hand studies are pretty conclusive now that simply washing your hands with soap and water is actually much more effective at stopping the transmission of germs and bacteria and viruses, much more so than hand sanitizer. We've kind of grown complacent thinking that if we just squirt a little bit of that gel on our hands and rub it around, we're going to be protected. Well, that's not the case. Study after study is showing that simply washing your hands with soap and water is actually more effective. Now, there are certain situations where you can't do that. And not that many in the U.S., but when I go to Jamaica on our medical mission trips, oftentimes we're out in the backcountry where the running water or uh, access to hand washing stations are limited or non-existent. Now, in that case, using hand sanitizer is better than nothing. But for most of us, when we're in scenarios where we can do the hand washing, just do that and you're going to go much farther in protecting yourself from disease than if you simply bypass that and think you're being safe with the uh, the sand sanitizer. And then finally, one of the things we have to be careful about with regards to health, specifically as it relates to health marketing, is the term detoxifying. Basically, I can tell you almost across the board that if you see a product, a device, anything that uses the term detoxifying as one of its proponents, as something that is being advertised as being an efficient detoxifier, chances are real good there's not a lot of science behind it and it's just hype. Yes, there are a lot of toxins in our bodies, basically things that we need to get rid of. Well, guess what? That's what poop and pee is. Those are the toxins that we get rid of in our body. And our bodies are the most efficient, effective detoxifiers on the planet. There's nothing that you could eat or drink or shoot up your behind or run through your veins that's going to be as effective as your kidney and your bloodstream and your white blood cells in your liver. Uh, The liver is just an unbelievably amazing organ that will get rid of all the bad stuff in your body. Think about it. If it wasn't, if you didn't get rid of all the quote-unquote toxins in your system, you wouldn't be around very long. And this concept that you have to do something external to detoxify is somewhat of a myth. Now, the key there is doing the good things to start with. Don't put garbage in your system. Don't put junk in there. And then there's not as much to detoxify. And then certainly if you have heavy metal poisoning, yes, you need to do something special to detoxify yourself from that. But you're not going to get that from getting a colonic. It just doesn't work that way. So oftentimes that kind of terminology is often, again, just part of marketing hype. Be very leery. To me, that's a red flag when I see the word toxins or remove toxins or detoxify from your system. That makes me very suspicious as to the value of that particular product. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. I'd like to keep these kind of brief so you can listen to them as you're going about your normal activities or you drive home from from work or whatever. And I hope I've been able to stimulate you to think and consider some things along the way. So until next time, remember, make healthy choices.
Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eaker at R-E-A-K-E-R at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.